during one dreadful Saturday morning, when weeping women stood in the waiting room because all the chairs were full and queued along the passageways and the stairs, I was so distressed that something seemed to break inside me, and I cried out in fury to a startled voluntary worker, It's madness to send men to certain death like this! The words ran through the crowded, untidy room, and all the voluntary workers stopped their bustle and turned to stare at me. My weary colleague, Miss Evans, seated at her desk at the hub of the turmoil, put her hand over the mouthpiece of the telephone and said sharply, Miss Forrester! In the ensuing dead silence, I mumbled, I'm sorry. I snatched up a pile of files and began feverishly to put them back on their open shelves, my fury unassuageable. The tears coursed down my cheeks. Why couldn't seamen have enough sense to stay ashore? I raged inwardly. Most of them had skills which would have given them protected jobs in war factories. On the other hand, Harry had said that, if he had come ashore, he would have been called up sooner or later for the army or the navy. He might just as well remain a merchant seaman and earn better wages. Based on my utter frustration, a dull anger at Harry surged in me. He was old enough not to be amongst the first to be conscripted. We could have been married by now and had some happiness together. I could have been carrying his much-desired baby. The fool! The stupid idiot to go and get himself killed! I was terribly, unreasonably furious at him. In those wild moments, I gave no thought to the fact that unless freighters went to sea to carry on the country's trade, we would soon starve. I also forgot that, though Harry often complained about the conditions under which seamen lived aboard ship, basically he enjoyed going to sea. Like everyone else, he hoped the war would soon be over. Few civilians knew enough of the true situation to realise that it was bound to drag on for years. Wars are very easily started. The problem is in bringing them to a close. Now Harry was gone, and I had not the faintest idea what to do, as I struggled to help women equally distressed. My mind refused to concentrate. My body longed for rest, preferably eternal rest. Normally I was always hungry. Now I sometimes found it difficult to eat. Even Mother noticed my unusual dullness and told me to stop looking so sulky. Laugh and the world laughs with you, she would say so truly. Cry and you cry alone. It's easier for her, I would think sullenly. She's doing quite nicely now. I forgot that she had been through an earlier war, a war which had been in many ways much worse. Why aren't you going dancing? Fiona asked. I looked at her blankly for a moment and then replied, I'm too tired. The office is so busy. I don't think that father noticed anything much. He tended to live a life of his own amongst his friends from the office. Mother never accompanied him either to the public houses or to the concerts and plays to which he went. Sometimes he would inquire of Tony or Brian what they were doing in their spare time. Not infrequently, he had a tremendous row with Mother, usually on the subject of money. He may possibly have noticed that, at that time, I was not quarrelling much with Mother, and consequently the house was quieter. I was too exhausted to face her verbal barbs, and no matter what she did, I accepted it and did my best to cope with the consequences.
on the Saturday on which I had exclaimed so explosively in the office about the lunacy of the war, I worked all day, and arrived home just as Mother was putting on her retrimmed turban-type hat before going to the cinema. She was peeking at herself in the broken piece of mirror on the mantelpiece. It was still the only mirror in the house, and was consequently very precious. During the war, mirrors were hard to obtain. She nodded to me, buckled up the belt of her leather overcoat, and picked up her handbag. Back at eleven, she threw over her shoulder as she went through the back door. As I took off my own coat, I listened to the click-click of her high-heeled shoes on the stone flags of the back alley. I remembered how, as a child, I would lie in bed after Edith, our nanny, had tucked me up every...